Welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us, David. Hi. Today we're going to jump into this topic of raising funds and what is the right amount. David's the founder of a seed camp company called Server Density. Uh, thanks for joining us and maybe what we can do is straight into what Server Density is and then go into the blog post you wrote. Sounds good. So I started Server Density in 2009 with a friend from school. We were working at another startup here in London and we needed to be able to monitor our infrastructure. So we had servers, we had the website, but we didn't have any graphs telling us what was going on and we didn't have any alerts telling us when things were breaking. So we decided to build it and released it as an MVP very quickly. Started getting customers paying pretty much within the first month or two. Uh, so this was in early 2009 and then decided to apply for seed camp and went through the, the full week. Uh, won the, the seed funding or the early funding, which is around, it was 50,000 euros at that time. And then moved back to Birmingham, which is where I was actually based and completed my law degree at the same time as um, continuing to build the company. And then in about 2011 or so, uh, we went over to the US and uh, met a lot of different customers, different investors, and ultimately raised an angel round of about £150,000. Um, that was some investors here in the UK, but also some angels in the US. And uh, then came back to the UK, moved to London, <coughs> and um, have been growing the company over the last you know, eight years or so. Um, off organic revenue, customers paying on a monthly basis for the service, um, but also throughout those could be as we raised a bit of funding as well. So clearly many things have changed, even how Seedcamp helps founders and, and the experience you went through versus the one that we have today. And even the quantum of money raised is substantially different. But your blog post titled, You Can't Build a SaaS Company in 2018 Without Significant Funding, says a lot more than just you know, the, the where you started off. It's kind of making a, a series of statements about the state of the, the tech ecosystem today, in particular with SaaS companies. Walk us through the key points of the blog post. So the important thing is the historical context and the time the company started in 2009 was very, very early in software services a delivery model for, for products. There were very few SaaS businesses so Salesforce is the, is the most famous and the biggest nowadays. <clears throat> and there were a few others like Zendesk, um, which were kind of pioneering the, uh, the software subscription model. And those businesses raised capital, um, but then there were other SaaS businesses um, from the likes of Basecamp um, from 37signals. Um, and also Joel Spolsky was doing a lot of writing about his company, Fog Creek Software, and their bug tracking product, Fog Bugs. And so there was a lot of noise around um, people talking about just bootstrapping their businesses as opposed to the VC approach. And in particular in the UK, there were very few modern investors. There were VC investors, but they weren't really anything like uh, the Silicon Valley investors. And that's changed over time. Uh, the UK and Europe in particular has got some new funds, uh, the approach to being founder-friendly has changed as well. Uh, but as that's happened, the US has continued to advance and there have been more companies started there and more companies raising money. And in 2009, going into 2010, then into 2011, we were able to grow the business because it was a novel business model. Very few people were doing SaaS, everything was still on-premise and it was enough of a differentiator 
to just say it's the same thing that you can install yourself and spend all that time messing around with configurations, but actually you can just pay us on a monthly basis and we'll do all that for you. And that was enough of a differentiator. Uh, that's no longer the case. SaaS as a business model is the standard way that you buy software. Really, there's no reason why you would ever want to do anything on-premise anymore, in my opinion. And the likes of Amazon and Google are showing that with infrastructure, you don't need to own hardware and you don't need to own software. You pay for it on a subscription basis. And it's the competition that's the challenge now, given that every single piece of software you can think of is available on a subscription basis. There's a company doing pretty much everything, and that company has probably raised a significant amount of money to grow the market or grow their market opportunity as quickly as they can. And it all comes down to the amount of money that you need to plow into growing the business uh, because there are a number of different areas of a SaaS business today that require significant capital to build out. Um, but really, whether you're, when you're deciding at this point, should you raise money or not, it comes down to the outcome that you want at the end because there are still opportunities to build software businesses. If, if you don't want to raise capital, that's still, uh, that's still perfectly fine, but it limits the outcome that you can, you can achieve at the end. So if you're trying to go for those huge outcomes of an IPO um, or maybe a massive M&A exit, um, then you can't do that without funding. But if you're happy to build a, um, a business that supports yourself or uh, your family or a small team, um, I don't like using the word lifestyle business because it's used in a derogatory sense, but it is really a, a lifestyle business. And then you don't have to raise capital for that. And there's a lot of writing from um, 37 Signals and Basecamp about that kind of thing. But the challenges of building a SaaS business, uh, change, they, they changed in, in 2011 when you saw that peak of um, number of businesses being founded and having the investments in them, um, which has resulted in the market um, being so massive, the opportunity being so big that you have to have that capital to build the business out. So you go through four different points where it's substantially different because I think when you right, right now when you were describing the difference between let's say a lifestyle business and one that should merit taking funding, that actually doesn't give the, the scope of what your blog post spoke about because we're eliminating the lifestyle businesses. You're not even bothering with those. You're talking about the ones that take VC funding. The quantum of success that is expected requires them to take far more for those four points, which include the evolution of the product, the sales teams, the self-serve models, and the support of customers. And so maybe you can walk through what you mean about having to succeed in those four areas at the level that, that the funding pushes you to. Yeah. So let's take the first one, which is the product, because that's where people tend to start. If you're an engineering-led team, if you're a technical founder and you built something, then that's where you're going to begin. And this comes down to being able to develop the product with sufficient speed and quality to keep up with demand from the market in the initial stages, just responding to customer requests and dealing with scaling the product and also fixing bugs. But then as you develop the market and prove that it is an interesting, uh, an interesting product to sell, you're going to get competition. And the question then comes down to can you keep up and can you stay ahead? Can you innovate against another company or a series of companies that are either as well or better funded uh, than you are? So this comes down to basically hiring engineers and releasing, um, releasing software to customers. And engineers are very expensive. That is the problem. Engineering is expensive and it takes time to 
develop and build features. You've got to get the customer input, and you've got to have those customers in the first place, of course, but once you're getting the input, you're learning about the market, uh, you've got to respond to what your customers are asking for, and um, then you've also got to have a completely separate view of how you want to differentiate. It's no good just copying your competitors or just doing what customers necessarily are asking for uh, because they may not necessarily know what they need, at least in the long run. And so you want to have a good view on where the product is going. You need to be able to build that technology out and you need to be able to release it. And you have to do so um, whilst maintaining quality and at the same time keeping those innovative uh, features in the product. And as as you your product gets more complicated, it gets more difficult to keep up to date, to continue developing features and to maintain any technical debt or legacy code. And you just have to hire more and more developers to keep keep the, the pace that you're going at. And so it's that level of investment in the product, basically hiring the engineers and, and releasing uh, releasing code to customers um, that is increasingly difficult and requires that capital. So, so tell us about the two other points, marketing uh, costs as well as sales costs. So marketing is, is really difficult because people will often talk about the one cool marketing thing that they did that allowed them to um, to get um, how many visitors it might be. So for Server Density, we were very, very early with content marketing. It was before it was all even known as content marketing, which is basically writing a blog, um, which I did every week um, from the very beginning, talking about the challenges that we're having building the product on a technical level because our customers are all engineers and, and they have a technical background. So we, I was basically writing for my customer base. And we got to the point where the blog was had a sufficient SEO ranking and sufficient amount of traffic that whenever we put something out, we'd instantly get the number one search result. And that would just build on top of each other so that we could get very much organic traffic. Today, it's almost impossible to do that because of the amount of time and effort that is required to build up quality content. And everybody is doing it. Everyone is writing mostly low quality posts on a regular basis, trying to outcompete each other um, for for that traffic. And the attention is moving towards video, which is probably already saturated, um, over to podcasts, which are now um, very, very popular, but also going to events. And that's where it's really expensive because sponsoring an event um, in the cloud industry, AWS conferences, for example, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to be able to participate in those events just for the sponsorship fee. And that doesn't include all your booth materials and the team flying over and all of that kind of stuff. So being able to find that scalable marketing channel, which requires almost no capital is almost impossible today. Everything is pay to play. And the amount of money that you can invest really determines how successful your marketing can be. And trying to find that kind of guerrilla tactic is really, really difficult now um, because everybody's talking about what they're doing. And once they've talked about it, it's probably too late because it's been successful for them and they've already extracted all, all the value out of it. So trying to find something that's unique to you is very difficult. Um, otherwise, you've just got to pay either for um, search ads or going to conferences, events, those kind of things. So the marketing is incredibly expensive, trying to reach your customers and also there are more of them because the SaaS market is so huge, the opportunities are so big that being able to reach those kind of people um, when the market was a lot smaller five or six years ago compared to today is, is much more difficult. And then on the sales side of things, salespeople are even more expensive than engineers and uh, it's very, very difficult to find experienced SaaS salespeople 
particularly in the UK, because there are as many uh, SaaS businesses, especially in enterprise technology, um, which means you have to look to the US and looking at salaries on the East Coast and the West Coast for salespeople, um, it's crazy the amount of money you have to pay upfront. Of course, this is an investment and the goal is, of course, that you're going to make that money back uh, many times over because they're going to be closing deals. Um, but that's why you have to raise the money up front because you've got to hire them. It takes time for them to ramp up and you're not going to see an instant return. And in many cases, you're going to be um, firing people because they're not effective. Um, before you start, you, you figure out what model works for you. And so you know, those two areas combined, sales and marketing, um, are so expensive just by themselves. So final and most controversial question. If you were starting Server Density again today, and you were raising that original round you raised, what would be the magic number? So it's very difficult to look at it in, and consider yourself in hindsight because we've got basically perfect information now. So I'm not sure I can answer what the perfect number is, but I can definitely answer what I would have done. Um, in 2011, after raising that angel round, I would have then gone on to raise um, a significant VC round, a, a Series A, because we had the numbers and we had the innovative business model, we had the product at the time, and we decided uh, that we were going to focus more on the product and continue pushing it a little bit more. And as a result of that, we saw a competitor in the US do basically exactly the same thing. Um, so the amount is very difficult to answer without knowing the full context of what the business is um, and what the business plan is, but the decision should have been to raise money in 2011 and knowing that the outcome that I wanted at the time would have been to IPO the business or to sell the business for a huge amount of money. Similar questions, slightly different phrasing, maybe get different answers. So imagine um, in my situation, SaaS business, very, very early stage. So what advice would you have uh, as a guy with so much data and so much experience to for someone like me who's going to sit in front of a VC maybe in the next year, in the next sort of nine months, looking to raise a significant sum of money before I have the numbers that you have uh, achieved without the investment? Because I want to achieve even bigger numbers. Like, what, what kind of things would you think I should be saying and, and, and I should be uh, trying to trying to prove at that stage? So I think it comes down to proving the size of the opportunity and then coupling that with showing why you're the one that's going to achieve that. I think what Carlos said about the, the overall size that you have to, the outcome, the size of the outcome that you have to achieve to justify um, the investment um, is what you need to demonstrate. So um, if looking at the overall market size is the standard approach to it, but I think kind of customizing that so that you can demonstrate exactly how you're going to achieve that and then what you're going to do over the next five years or so. Uh, and what your actual plan is because of course your plan is never going to materialize probably it's going to change all the time but just showing that you have a route that you're starting down uh, demonstrates that you've thought that through thanks for joining us david thank you very much